This is Ron Thurston, and we are live in New York City today with Jeffrey Cabrera. Welcome to Retail in America. Welcome, everyone, to episode three. I'm really happy that you're listening today. This podcast is part of the Retail in America tour in an Airstream trailer, my year-long journey to discover these incredible retail heroes all across the country, celebrate our retail culture, community, and careers. Every one of these episodes will be recorded in person, like a conversation around the campfire, telling stories, sharing what inspires us, why we love what we do, and always with a sense of retail pride. Today, we are on stop number one of the tour, New York City. But before we get started, I want to thank the three important title sponsors fueling the Retail in America tour and this podcast. Spotify Advertising. Spotify is the number one podcast platform in the U.S. With over 380 million monthly active users around the globe, over half of which are supported on the ad platform. Spotify Advertising will help you reach and target your audience across devices, locations, and formats. Ubic. Over 300 companies in 80 countries trust Ubic to drive their retail performance at scale, get real-time visibility into multi-location business execution, digitized task management, and consistent digital mobile learning for their teams. And KWI. KWI is the industry's only true turnkey omni-channel platform for specialty retailers. With over 35 years of experience, let KWI help you execute flawlessly with the features that matter most, including endless aisle, clienteling, mobile checkout, inventory management, e-commerce, and more. The links to learn more about all three of these great brands will be in the show notes. And with that, let's get started. I'm very excited to have this conversation today around our virtual campground with my new friend, Jeffrey Cabrera. Jeffrey was born and raised right here in New York City and has lived in the Bronx most of his life. He has a fascinating family background. His mom's from Colombia and his dad's from Puerto Rico. And he's a married guy with four kids and a granddaughter. Incredible. He attended Hunter College to study physical therapy, which makes me think his retail career may be accidental. We're going to talk about that. And 20 years ago, he started a part-time position at the container store as a stock associate and fell in love with retail and has since had the opportunity to work in leadership roles for New York and Company, Victoria's Secret, and today Faraday Brand, where he was recently promoted to the area manager of New York City. So Jeffrey, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Of course, it's a pleasure. And to do it live in person, this is going to be a really fun conversation. So we met through... Your former boss, my friend, Sean Mitchell, and Sean and I worked together at West Elm 10, 15 years ago. So it's fascinating, as always, that retail brings people full circle. And we met in your store in Soho, and then we had an event together, which was great. Part of the Retail America Tour, the first big event you graciously hosted in your store. So thank you for that. Oh, it was such a good time. Um, I felt like we had a party that night. <laughs> we did have a party that night too, a retail party. Yep. It was reconnecting. You reconnected with some people. It seems like you hadn't seen in years. I met some people I'd never met in person. It was great. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. It was such a fun night. So in the spirit of retail in America, we're here in New York City, your home city. And what does retail mean to you here in New York? So retail for me is really being in service to people, 
Um, I think it's that hunger to find something that someone's missing. Um, okay. I think that's really important. And when you can understand that, um, whether it's your team or a customer, um, that's when, you know, I think you're successful in retail. Mm -hmm. And in New York, where everything is so busy and people are constantly moving, you have to even be more uh, strategic on how to read body language, whether it's someone that you work for or work with or a client who walks into the store. How do you teach that to your team? How do you teach New York retail to your team? So what I teach is just that connection, that first engagement with the client. And that even in itself could be difficult because people don't know what that means. And we always go into service. So it's, hey, my name is Jeffrey. I'm here if you need anything. Mm. Um, and I think what I teach the team is they're friends who just came into your house. It's about to be a party. So what would you tell them? Well, how would you connect with them? Mm -hmm. um, and sometimes you have to be more specific. So for me, knowing a name, where they're from, are questions that easily can um, help us uh, break that gap. So for me, it's that, that initial engagement that will help with a New York customer. Mm -hmm. That makes absolute sense. And developing a skill to do it quickly and intentionally and move into then the opportunity to serve even mm -hmm. faster. Exactly. But you're right, there's, there's a way to do it here that requires a skill. Right. You go somewhere else, everyone says good morning all the time, <laughs> and it's normal. In New York, you know, if someone says good morning, you, you kind of put your defenses up a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> Headphones in, yep. looking at the phone, the whole yeah, thing. Exactly. Yeah, agreed. So 20 years ago, you got started in this business. Tell us a little bit about why you studied physical therapy and how it turned into this incredible retail career. So in high school, I was probably close to 300 pounds. And, and I started working out. Um, I lost a lot of weight by my senior year. So when I was thinking about what I wanted to do, I was thinking physical therapy would be a good way to help people that were probably in the same situation. And maybe in physical therapy, you do uh, personal training as well. Like, so I was thinking, how can I combine that? I was having fun in college, uh, too much fun. Um, <laughs> and I needed to also make an income. So my best friend at the time, she worked at the container store and she said, hey, why don't you try working here at the container store? I applied. She recommended me and I started working as a stock associate. And that quick income that I've never really seen before kind of sparked me and I wanted to do more hours and more hours. And at that time, the love was really getting through things like having this task and finishing it mm -hmm. and being able to see results in that. And that excited me. And I would do 80 hours if I had to do 80 hours. It was no problem. Um, it was just part of the job. I love to see the team, my leaders see me and say, wow, you got that done. I was that guy. So, mm -hmm. you know, that excited me. Uh, so then I knew like, wait, I kind of like this. So this is, this is fun. Mm -hmm. And how did kind of that, that service, so you think back of why you wanted to study physical therapy, mm -hmm. it was to be in service to other people. Right. To, like, how do you connect those dots today as a leader? Uh, well, I think for me, there's a feeling that you get when you're in service. It's that same hit that you would get if you are um, finishing your boxes. It's that gratification. So I feel like it connects in the same way. When I wanted to do physical therapy, I was searching for that service and helping someone so that at the end of the day, they would feel better. 
And now I'm getting the same thing in retail and it's the same pleasure. Wow. I mean, that's beautiful. Thank you for sharing that <laughs> because it speaks so much to retail pride. How retail pride shows up is in service. Mm -hmm. And so you approached life with a mentality of service and has shown up in retail. So thank you for that. Yeah. Let's talk about pride while we're on the topic. So when you think about what are you, what are you most proud of? Of this of this career or in life yeah i mean i think i'm most proud of in retail is the connections that i've made my wife i met her through retail yeah. um and some of my closest friends i've met through retail so when you talk about the reasons why people love retail and reason number five <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh, we are all part of a vast retail family so i think to me that is what I'm most proud of. And the reason why is I've had associates who've become managers who've later on said, thank you. You've given me an income that I've never had before. I've never thought I could make this much money. I never thought I would have these opportunities. And I didn't even think at the time that, you know, that was going to be the result of just developing someone and being in service to them. So for me, I think of Darius, who was one of my uh, assistant managers who became a co-manager and also comes from the same background as I do. And we sometimes think that we are only going to make a certain amount of money. And he was able to make a lot more money than he thought he would. And being in service to him, that makes me happy. Mm -hmm. it's, the, it's, it's the thing that drives me every day. Mm -hmm. Keeps you going. Yeah. The ability to do that as a leader, the responsibility mm -hmm. to do that and the opportunity they're they're huge yeah and they're wide open you know i do say often you know retail is open to anyone that wants to come in and do the work and learn the job mm -hmm. we learn the job on the job right and so it's open to all and you sounds like you've been someone that has done that for many mm -hmm. yeah, it's fascinating who inspires you let's talk about the the leaders or people in your life that have inspired you so i think number one the person that has inspired me is my mother she cleans houses. She's cleaned houses for as long as I remember. But she's also someone who everyone in the neighborhood knows her as the nicest woman. Uh, she's the one that cooks and brings plates to everyone in the building. When I was having a conversation with my team, we had a, a meeting, an early meeting just to start the Q1. It just triggered. I didn't see it. I didn't see the connection and where it came from. But she is what I grew up seeing. And in terms, that's why I'm, you know, that's the same thing. It's the same fix. It's the same. It's what keeps me going. It's helping others and, and being in service to others. And I learned that through her and I didn't, I didn't connect it before. Um, but now I'm like, wow, mm -hmm. you know, my mom has really, you know, molded me into who I am now. Wow. And you told me earlier, they live above you. They live right above me. <laughs> <laughs> and with a big family, you know, she's still there for, for us and she helps take care of the kids. So she's still in service and she still, still works. She's 65 years old. She's still working and she's still um, in service to everybody in the neighborhood. So mm -hmm. amazing. And do you talk about that now with her? Like I told how, her that how you do that. I told her the other day for the first time and she was in tears. Like she oh. she almost didn't want to continue the conversation. It's so beautiful. You know, I I thought similarly, I don't think I appreciated my grandfather as as a leader uh, until 
I was more further along. You know, my, my book is dedicated to him and I've told the story many times, but I, I didn't appreciate kind of having that around me and what leadership was until you are a leader. You're like, I'm doing this because I saw this done by someone else or this was demonstrated to me. And you don't appreciate it when you're younger, mm-hmm. but you're right when you figure that out. Right. That that's powerful. What about in the retail industry? Yeah. Who are some of those people or bosses you've had? Yeah, I've uh, worked closely with Kevin Finnegan, which is a mutual friend of ours. He was actually the vice president for New York & Company when I first started in New York & Company. When I was promoted as flagship manager, I, that's when I really started working close with him. And he is what I call classic retail. He is someone who um, understands the connection with people and it's very raw. It's like, he's going to tell you how it is and he's going to tell you how it's not. And that's something that I always admired. He was also the same person that during holiday meetings would dress up in elf <laughs> costumes <laughs> across the stage. Uh, you know, so he knew the connection of people um, and he was very close knit to stores. He was constantly did visits and he knew you by your first name where in some businesses where they're large businesses you sometimes don't know them and they don't know your name unfortunately Um, but he knew everyone's name wow and i'm sure that's a skill you work hard on today too absolutely absolutely because you have to understand how important everyone is and when they know that you noticed they're gonna just continue continue pushing no doubt you brought up a really interesting point that sometimes great leadership and maybe retail, maybe in general is perceived as you're always the positive one. You're always high-fiving. You're always, and that can be very true, but great leadership is also knowing when to have the hard conversation. So it sounds like Kevin also demonstrated that. Absolutely. He knew the connection of building the trust that if you gave me feedback, even if it stung it was coming from a good place where sometimes I feel like as you're growing as a leader you don't know how to build that trust and that connection with someone so when you're giving feedback the person is not receiving it Um, and he knew how to give it and at the it might have hurt in the beginning but then you're just like okay I get it and I could do better and to me that is the true connection of that feedback and even when it's a really tough conversation you're able to grow from it mm-hmm. now that you are in a multi-store role and you're having your kind of first first taste of that and we had mentioned earlier you know, sometimes it looks easier than it is because then everything is just multiplied and and grows and it's people and it's product and it's everything we love just multiplies in a multi-store role but as you think about kind of your future what do you dream of? What do you want to do? Um, I, you know, I want to continue in this path. Uh, I'm, I'm excited with this new role. This is the first time in a while that I'm challenged. It's like choosing a new workout that you've never done before. It's being a runner and then going into weightlifting right now. So to me, that's exciting. Um, and what I'm looking go forward is just to continue to grow and hopefully continue to have a bigger area district manager, regional, um, and just continue up the ladder. Mm-hmm. What's the perception of the, the industry to your friends and family? So in the past, when I used to talk about 
what I used to do. I used to mumble it like, hey, I'm a retail. <laughs> I'm a manager in retail. Um, and that was earlier in my career. Uh, I felt that because I was more of the go-to guy. So I did everything. I fixed the stock room or if the sales floor needed to be um, changed, floor sets, anything, I, I was the go-to guy. And so when you're talking to people about careers and what you do, they're just, you, you're kind of, you project what you feel and say, well, I'm, I work in retail. <laughs> I think now that I've done it for a while, and again, the pride, mm-hmm. you know, the pride that of learning of my connections and the people that I was able to inspire, I'm proud to say that I'm an area leader. Ever since I started getting good at leadership, then I started having pride and, and I was able to say, I'm a, oh, I'm a leader. Mm-hmm. I'm a leader. Yeah. And that is so incredibly rewarding when you can then also bring someone else that you can see has that potential and then you took that risk and then their pride grows. I mean, that's really paying it forward. Mm-hmm. But it requires you doing some of that work. It requires you seeing potential and then adding water and like and watching it grow exactly yeah it's exactly. So, so much fun to do that mm-hmm. i want to give you the opportunity to speak about just Faraday for a moment this mm-hmm. this yeah. conversation is about you but Faraday is doing a lot of really interesting things in the industry they seem they're very entrepreneurial it's a very kind of test and learn environment so i'd love for you to just share why Faraday has been such a good choice for you. So I didn't know about Faraday until Janet, who runs operations for the company, reached out to me and said, hey, there's an opportunity here for you. I learned about the brand and what sparked my interest was they're part of a second chance program where they help people who have been incarcerated and they give them a job in physical fitness and they give them opportunity to come out of being incarcerated and start a new life. And when we think of other retailers who do things for others, to me, that was the most, like that's an area that no one really talks about, especially in retail. I've never heard of that in any other retailer doing some some similar program. You hear of maybe like supermarkets and stuff doing things like that, but when it comes to retail, that to me was huge because they paid attention to the people that no one pays attention to. It's just like I would say the partnerships we have with Native Americans, like that's not something that is always talked about um, and they pay attention to that. So for me, their why is what helps me want to be part of this and makes me work as much as I need to. And it drives me because there's a bigger purpose. Um, Carrie said something in a meeting recently. She said, conscious capitalism never heard the term before never heard the term before and 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 then i i, start, I was like wait aren't those opposites <laughs> i never mm-hmm. thought that they could be lived together and what we are doing as a company with the earth and all our different partnership we know that we don't need more retailers necessarily like apparel retail we don't need a whole bunch to come mm-hmm. out because we have enough clothes but how can we do it consciously you know, how are we doing it in a way that we're using recycled product and, and we're still helping the planet? So to me, that connection and knowing that I'm part of something bigger, it's almost like you forget about KPIs and you forget about the nitty gritty of retail and you're thinking, wow, I'm doing something bigger. How do you use that when you're recruiting? I find out if they've done some homework, right? Because I think that's important. <laughs> if that's what allowed me to even continue the process when I first heard about Faraday. And then... 
I help them understand how young we are as a brand and how much growing and how fast we're doing it and how that is the reason why you want to be part of this team. But it's also the reason why sometimes you don't want to be part of this team because it brings more struggles and, and you have to come up with different strategies constantly. There isn't a path. Mm-hmm. If you work for bigger brands, they'll tell you exactly how do you do from day one to yep. the game plan is already written. Here, it's different every day. And you're exactly right. Not everyone can can handle that. Mm-hmm. I'm sure I don't remember the the store account of New York and Company, but it was in the hundreds. It's, I think when we closed, we were 225 something, or something. But at their peak, it was far more than that. You have worked for big brands and you're right. I also started my career at Gap where I felt like I learned how to run a business. Wasn't particularly entrepreneurial, but they were very clear on this is how the stockroom is organized. This is how you greet a customer. This is how the store is merchandised. And I appreciated it then because then when I worked in smaller brands, that all just came back. Like those tools of I know how to lay out a stock room. I know how to do all the basics. Mm-hmm. And then you use your energy in, in, for new ideas. And it sounds like that's been similar for you. Yep. You're using your tools that you gained working for a big brand to help lead a smaller brand. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think we spoke about how uh, New York and Company, to me, was the streets of retail. <laughs> and, and I was there for the longest time. And then when I went to Victoria's Secret, that was college, college <laughs> years, where I looked at KPIs completely different. There I learned the importance of behavior connection to KPIs. And I didn't know that before. Before I was always giving a wish list. We need to make the day. We need to make the day <laughs> over the walkies. And then I realized in the Victoria's Secret, they taught me, okay, you have to observe. You have to make sure you pay attention, see what's going on and analyze the where your opportunities are and fix them in the moment so that you can drive results. Mm-hmm. Um, and I learned that through my college years. And today would be what? You're, you're out of school. Now you're, <laughs> now you're running the brand. You, you are. You're running in New York City. I'm imagining some of the highest volume stores in the company. Mm-hmm. High profile, highly important, founder in your backyard. You know, yep. that, those are all you know part of where you're sitting today is using all of that experience, those kind of growing the streets to to the college of retail. And here you are yeah, and teaching that to your team. Let's talk about the three pillars of retail pride a little bit more. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I loved reading that part of the book, by the way. Uh, it kind of narrows down my vision because sometimes I think in most organizations, there's a lot more pillars than just three <laughs> <laughs> or core values. And I think that Breaking it down to three is uh, easier to to digest and to learn from. Great. So to me, empathy is something that I feel like is probably my strongest pillar um, because it's more innate. And you know, talking about my mom and and something that was nurtured. And I, I think that I've developed that skill pretty well. I think that's where my success comes from because I can understand people. I can read people's body language. I can hear speech and hear when. There's disapproval or excitement. And then I'll know how to move my conversation so that way we are moving in the right direction. And then with, um, well, with curiosity, I'm always analyzing. Again, that's something to me that was always innate. I was the person that I grew up doing music and I played the saxophone, but then I went to the flute because... I felt like I wanted to learn something different. And then I went to the tuba. Then I started making music on the computer and I was making music with a tape deck and a microphone. 
Um, and I was figuring this out on my own because I was curious, how can I do that? I know there's a way that I could do this. There's somehow. And I was always analyzing and, and trying to figure out a way to to get whatever the goal was at the time. And to me, that's another thing that I don't know was something that even starting retail, I didn't already have. Because even when I first got into retail, in the container store, I was coming up with things, not necessarily that worked, but I was constantly coming up <laughs> with things to, to help uh, move the system quicker. Um, but to me, when I think of now, especially, um, the, the muscle that is the weakest for me is the third pillar, which is focus. To me, that is, my brain is always going. And there's always noise. There's always noise in my brain. And it's hard for me to understand how to stop making a list and just get things done. I feel like I'm constantly adding to my list because my phone will go off and a store needs something. Let me add that to the list and then to the list and to the list. Um, and this muscle is different for me to say, let me shut off my technology for this hour so that I, I can get the things that I need to get done right now. It's hard. It's hard to do that. Uh, and when I'm reading your book, and I'm, I was like, that makes sense. Why haven't I done that? <laughs> and I just feel like I keep adding to my list and I'm not getting it through it. And now the list looks so big that procrastination becomes easy. <laughs> now it's, it's like, overwhelming. The yeah. list becomes overwhelming. Right. Um, so now to me, it's really about focusing. That is the, this is the new muscle that I have to actually tune up. And when you get home, it's also the, the, fa <laughs> the family, the kids, you know, it, it's not as if you're walking home to a quiet space. Correct. So you, my perception is you have to actually be even more planful and focused in order to get things done. Mm -hmm. And that is, you're right. Everyone has different, the way their life operates requires different time spent. Whether that's working out, whether that's sitting quietly, stepping away from the store for an hour, turning off your phone and thinking and to, to be even better. And no two weeks will be the same, maybe no two days, but that, that focus and your ability to do that is what will continue to fuel your growth. Because you're right, empathy and curiosity for you are, those are well exercised muscles. It's interesting to hear that perspective because it's not always um, what I've heard from others. So it's interesting. Thank you for sharing that. Have you noticed if people are stronger at focus, is it harder for them to be good leaders? No, I think there's more intention behind leadership when you're focused. Okay. I think you have more of a strategy, which we know you could show up to the store and the whole thing could change. There's never a strategy that plays out in retail exactly as you think. <laughs> Focus gives you the ability to accomplish the tasks, but do them with intention. I do believe that. Mm -hmm. I think the, the pillar that I think is most under-recognized is curiosity. Because empathy is a necessity in retail, particularly today. And we know we have so much to do on our plate. So you assume focus is something people think about. But we're not always as curious as I believe we should be mm -hmm. about just the industry and outside of your own brand, what's happening, what technology is, is changing, what new brands are coming, what new ideas are happening. And I think we get so bogged down in our own four walls and our own business to kind of raise your head up and say, what's actually happening in the entire ecosystem of the industry is a curiosity that I didn't have as a younger manager either. Because I really wanted to do a great job for my brand. I wasn't as thoughtful about 
everyone else. I wanted to do a good job for my brand. And I have evolved that way through mostly through retail pride. You know, as we, as we wrap up, you think about the industry at a whole, as we were just discussing, what do you tell your friends and family? What, what excites you most about the future? Um, I'm really excited of the fact that now retailers are moving to smaller spaces and it's becoming more intimate and we have to drive it that way because e-com is a big space and there is no real estate big enough physically to, to battle that. And now retailers are looking for smaller space. The big, you know, the big guns are looking for smaller space now because it doesn't make sense. Um, it's also, we, timing is different. So now we're not open as long as we used to. I don't see a lot of businesses expanding and using that much uh, payroll when they're, some stores are making the same with the shorter amount of time. Right. We didn't even know we could do that. Correct. Pre-COVID. Exactly. Um, so I think what I'm excited is about the touch factor that we've been missing and been going away with the client and the showmanship that now that skill has to be developed because customers are not just going to, if, that, if that's what they want, they'll go online. Now they want the experience. They want the connection. They want to leave the store knowing that they want to feel good and they want to know that they know who you are and that you've created an experience for them. Uh, and to me, that's exciting because it's what makes me happy about retail. It's part of that being in service. And storytelling. So when you talk, when someone walks into one of your Faraday stores, you can say, hey, what do you know about our brand? And do you actually know we have a program that supports people who were incarcerated and gets them back to work Mm -hmm. kind of ideas? What can you share? Because you're right, e-commerce isn't doing that storytelling. Correct. You you, you have to click through pretty deep to, (laughs) to learn about a brand, whereas the first conversation you could have when someone walks in is a story. Not what size do you wear, but it's a story. And that is a really powerful part of brick and mortar yeah. that you're exceptionally good at. Yeah, I think it's the future. Um, I think in order for brick and mortar to, you know, continue and to be strong, um, it will it, it will need to be able to storytell and have that connection. Agreed. Thank you so much, Jeffrey. This was an absolute this, pleasure. This is so much fun. So thank much you for fun. Having me I around. can't I can't wait to watch your career. And I will be watching. <laughs> <laughs> I want to thank you, Jeffrey Cabrera, for being on the show today. And to all of you for listening, it really means a lot. Please subscribe, review, and then share this podcast with everyone you know in retail. And there are millions of us. Go to retailpride.com and follow me on Instagram at retailpride to see all the details about the Retail in America tour, the cities we will visit, other media links, past episodes, sponsor information, and more. I would love to meet you on this journey, so contact me directly to nominate a retail hero for this podcast, host a retail networking or book signing event in your city, or just to say hello. Keep your retail pride strong, and I will see you on the road.